The following podcast is taken from a live broadcast on Inspire FM. Catch a creative vibe on the Urban Cube with Sister Shamiza. Good morning and assalamu alaikum. Thank you for joining me on the Urban Cube this morning. It is 10 o'clock on Monday, 18th of March, and I'm Shamiza taking all the way up to 12 o'clock on Inspire FM. We're going loud and live across to Luton surrounding areas, Peterborough, Sheffield and Nottingham this morning. We are also Facebook Live, but we have the um, the, the Urban Cube sign up because there's nobody actually in the studio with me this morning. The uh, wonderful guests on the show this morning are going to be joining me live across the phone from London and Manchester, inshallah, um, this morning. Now, um, the show will be repeated 8pm this evening as well as um, you can catch all the conversations back on iTunes and Spotify. Today's show is um, we are going to be talking to two fantastic, fantastic women who are really making their mark in the world of journalism, writing and sport and art as well this morning. I'll be speaking to no other than the very, very fabulous Hanan abdul Halik. She's a freelance multimedia journalist, writer, podcaster and filmmaker and she's graduated from the Muslim Women in Media cohort from the University of California. She's also write, currently writing a utopian novel. She'll be talking to me about her experience in California as part of the Muslim Women in Media cohort and actually speaking to me why she felt it was necessary to go all the way from London to California to actually be part of this initiative, um, which is quite interesting and quite fitting in relation to today's show because we will be also reflecting and thinking um, very much uh, in regards to the horrific, awful massacre that happened um, on in on Friday, which has really, really um, had a massive big impact on the hearts of not just only the Muslim community, but the wider communities not just New Zealand, but across the world as well. Um, we'll be reflecting on on the Christchurch uh, Masjid and um, sort of reflecting on how we as communities can kind of strengthen our relationship with those around us and, and how to kind of deal with the grief um, and the shocking, shocking news, which... Um, for me has really, really hit home this morning. Um, and it's kind of, and I really did think to myself, I'm going to be going onto the show this morning and am I going to be able to sit through two hours and, and to be able to kind of discuss what happened at Christchurch Mosque and, and to be able to kind of keep myself, my decorum. Um, but Alhamdulillah, um, listening to Brother Tarek this morning on, um, the Rise and Shine show when he read out a um, wonderful, wonderful piece by a sister, a Chinese sister, Revert, um, who really, really gave me a lot of strength. Um, and I'm going to be sharing that uh, bit of writing that he read out uh, this morning on the show as well. There's also, he's going to be joining me this morning to talk about um, things that we could possibly 
potentially do as a community, um, how we can kind of um, address this awful, awful, awful um, incident uh, with our children as parents. It's very, very difficult to kind of, um, you know, keep children away from the media um, when incidents like this happen. And how do you kind of carefully, carefully um, tell them the information without um, giving them too much detail. And I'd really like to find out from yourselves this morning how you've been able to kind of address address the balance there with your own children. Um, the telephone number of, for the show is, um, we're actually not having taken calls. I do apologize. It's WhatsApp. So it's 07779481822. Now on the show this morning, um, it is National day of something or another. And today we have um, companies that care. Yes, companies that care. Are you part of a company that um, is actually going the extra mile? Um, are they showing that they care? Um, there is a real dynamic cha changes in the way people are actually working at the moment where companies are becoming a little bit more holistic in their approach to having a, a good, healthy work based environment. And it'd be really interesting to know what is your company doing to make sure that they care. And also it's National Awkward Moments. Yeah, National Awkward Moments, people. Have you ever experienced an awkward moment? As a parent, I experience them every single day with the children. So I'd love to find out from you if you've been impacted by any awkward moments. Um, I wonder whether whether my guests have had any awkward moments and the guests will be joining me after 10.30. I'm going to be joined by the very tremendous um, Hanan Abdul Khalik. Now, she has joined me on the show um, in the past and so I, I have great pleasure in having her joining me back. And in particular on today's show, because as a freelance multimedia journalist, um, it'd be very interesting to get her viewpoint on the way the media has uh, portrayed and projected what had happened at Christ Church Mosque. Um, so it'd be very interesting for her to kind of give me her views on that. Um, and also she is somebody who's very passionate about ethical fashion because she'll be doing, she's creating a documentary on ethical, the ethical fashion industry. And, um, and this is quite interesting because there was another climate um, strike. Children went out to the lovely town of Luton, took time off school. Yes, they did. And they did it for a great cause. Um, and that was the climate march, which happened in Luton as well. So um, I wonder how many parents um, let their little ones take a day off school to do that. Um, it was Thursday. That's when it happened. Um, she'll be talking to us about mindful consumer decisions in particular to global warming and, you know, and giving us some tips and advice and how we can kind of possibly slow the process of fast fashion buying. Fashion is always um, something that everybody is kind of drawn to. So, you know what, we need to kind of slow down a little bit and she hopefully will tell us how to do that. Now, I came across a very interesting um, article which says that there is a study claiming that working mums are more likely to have obese children. Yep, you heard it. Working mums are 
more likely to have obese children. Mm. We're going to be talking a little bit more about that article, in particular with a mother who's actually driving up Olympic success. She's a working mother driving her children to Olympic success. And I'm talking about no other than Samira Asker, who is part of Imanza Art. She's a contemporary abstract artist, and she showcased her work all the way from Manchester to the heart of Luton at the Butte Street Film Festival event. Um, I had the pleasure of kind of stumbling across her work by a wonderful lady by the name of Ray Lever. Um, and I saw it on her Instagram account. It was the most beautiful, beautiful um, abstract art piece. And, um, and I was just very, very taken aback by it. So I have great pleasure in speaking to uh, Samara later on in the show. And she is a former national basketball player. She's also a mother of two very talented children in kickboxing and uh, taekwondo. Have I said that correct? I think I have. Uh, Who are actually competing nationally and even getting ready to prepare themselves for the Olympics. Oh yeah. So it'd be very interesting to find out what her thoughts are on this study that claims working mums are more likely to have obese children. It is national, national um, companies that care day. And I wonder whether this comes in line with another article I came across, which said that a string of British firms are switching over to a four day working week. Hmm. Four-day working week. Does that sound like a working week that you would like to get involved with? Um, Gosh, wouldn't it be absolutely fantastic if you had a four-day working week? My goodness, giving you a little bit more time to kind of do the things that you want to do as well. Having more time with your family, more relaxing time for yourself and having more of like a healthy work-based balance, mashallah. Now, um, you are listening to The Urban Cube. It is Monday, 18th of March, and it's 10 minutes past 10. It's an absolute pleasure to have you um, to ha- have you join us this morning. Do tell us where you're actually listening in from, um, and we would love to hear from you. It is, uh, the WhatsApp number is 07779481822. Now, my guests, um, Hanan Abdul Halik and uh, Samara Asker, will be joining me after 11, um, sorry, after 10.30. But in the studio right now, I'm actually joined by Brother Tarek. Now, Brother Tarek is a voice that you're all familiar with because he is the man behind the mic on the Rise and Shine show. So it's an absolute pleasure to have him join the show this morning. Assalamu alaikum, brother. Wa alaikum salam. How are you? I'm very, very well, brother. Um, it's been quite quite a difficult weekend, a very, very testing Friday. Um, So I was a little bit nervous this morning coming onto the show because I think it kind of hit me um, basically what had happened on Friday, the loss of 51, I believe, lives, precious lives and the Christ Christ Church Mosque in New Zealand. Um, I was listening to your show this morning and I was really, really taken aback by the most beautiful, beautiful writing um, by a sister in China. And I'm going to be sharing that piece um, later on. And I was it kind of gave me a lot of strength knowing that our brothers and sisters and those beautiful children, inshallah, will, you know, will ha- automatically have a place in Jannah. Um, 
Yeah. So um, I uh, thank you for that. Thank you for sharing that this morning. And I don't know if there's anybody else listening into the show um, who'd actually heard Brother Tarek reading that beautiful piece. Um, it really did give me a lot of, lot of um, peace in my heart. But Brother, um, you know, Inspire FM, Obviously, on Friday, we had the Friday Night Live show, which yep. this was a topic of conversation. It is a to- it's a conversation that we it's been had in every Muslim yep. household, um, locally, nationally and internationally. Um, and how does how does a community how does a community kind of deal with um, something so big as this? Um, how do we move forward as a community? Uh alaikum listeners. Uh, to be honest, there's no r- real right or, or wrong answer in this. Uh, in something like this, to be honest, I think when, when reading that letter uh, and just generally speaking to a lot of people, uh, I think we're blessed with the fact that we have uh, we have Iman, uh, we have belief uh, in the hereafter and we have belief that, of course, uh, this, uh, these 51 and, and of course, there's a number of uh, other serious seriously injured uh, individuals who of course uh, which may lead to death because of course of them initially it was 49 on Friday uh, and of course two other people have uh, have died since as well uh, but of course it's the belief of knowing that they've gone to a better place uh, and even listening to I'm not sure if you got a chance to listen to the there's a there's a BBC interview with the gentleman who's uh, who's wheelchair based and his wife uh, came in front of him uh, and and the bullets actually got got her rather than the actual uh, gentleman uh, and when he was talking and you listen to his voice and you listen to the words he's saying and how he's saying this is the way we lived our life my wife was always there for me and I was always there for her so if something that he expected in the sense of obviously I knew my wife would always uh, in any sort of danger in any sort of problems would always come in front of me uh, but obviously happiness in the sense of knowing that my wife has gone to paradise and I think it's that knowledge and actually uh, I had I had this uh, experience shared with uh, an uncle uh, recently Recently, is, is, is a neighbour of my uh, my brother's who lost his daughter uh, on return from Hajj, uh, and uh, I was speaking to him often, and uh, and what he would say was, he goes, I'm so glad I'm a Muslim, because knowing the fact that obviously, and it's, it's the way his daughter passed away, they were at home, uh, getting ready welcoming, you know, getting ready to welcome her back and of course then uh, the news coming that she's actually passed away uh, on, the, on the airplane journey, and he, he would often say to me that uh, I'm so, so glad that I'm a Muslim, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has given me this, uh, this faith, this Iman of knowing that my daughter has gone to a better place and if I didn't have this I would never be able to move on and I think to be honest Alhamdulillah we're very fortunate uh, in these instances that when something like this happens which can which I mean, can't be described in any other word then I mean uh, it's, it's a tragedy and it's, it's, it's catastrophic uh, of what's taking place but we find solace in our hearts that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is the plan of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala this is the way they were written to be their lives were written to be taken and nothing uh, no moment could have changed that there was uh, instances where I think some people are sharing stories of how they were intending to go to that masjid for Jummah for whatever reason they couldn't go uh, and there was instances where they've gone to another place or they were late for Jummah so there's, there's loads of stories which will come out but the people who have passed away were those individuals whose life was written to be taken
everything on that day with that moment. Uh, so, and, and of course, that's that's Allah Subhanahu wa Taala's will, uh, and the, and we we know Allah Subhanahu wa Taala's wisdom behind it. And then you see, you hear the many many stories of people actually uh, becoming Muslims uh, due to seeing this and actually uh, uh, giving the encouragement of being able to look into Islam. So, uh, th- th- there's there's Allah's wisdom in this, and, and to be honest, we will we will never understand Allah's wisdom. Uh, the only thing we can do is, of course, accept it mm-hmm. uh, and know that. I mean, most definitely they've got they've gone to a better place. Alhamdulillah, um, and uh, Amin to everything that you've said there. It was quite difficult for me this morning. I just thought, I don't know how I'm going to sit. I even WhatsApped mm. you, Brother Tarek. I don't know how I'm going to sit through the show without getting emotional. But, of course. You know, we have a job to get on with and community radio, I think, does come under what I would like to say about companies that care, <laughs> companies that yep, care, Inspire FM. And we do have a very responsible role, alhamdulillah, making sure that our communities, our community is being looked after um, and also making sure that information is presented um, about what things are going on in uh, the town. Now, today there is a peace vigil that's happening. Yep, definitely. Um, so, brother, tell us a little bit more about this peace vigil. What is it and what's its purpose? Yep, the, the peace vigil is, is being organised by Luton Council of Faith. And again, uh, this is actually being done, I, I, I mean, I remember going to a few peace mm-hmm. vigils when there's there's various different uh, things that have happened within the community and uh, Luton G- G- Council of Faith have decided to, to hold a peace vigil for, uh, for of course, all those uh, who have passed away uh, in in New Zealand, a peace vigil essentially is is, is a moment of coming together mm-hmm. and remembering uh, any sort of loss or any sort of uh, I mean uh, tragedy that's taken place, uh, and showing support and saying that we are here together. And uh, Alhamdulillah, I think to be honest, it's a, it's a beautiful uh, way of kind of uh, showing those uh, thoughts. After everybody is probably feeling various different things, mm-hmm. uh, and they they they're keeping those thoughts within themselves and really kind of uh, I mean in whatever I mean. W- w- of life they're doing but this opportunity actually allows you to get together with the community uh, and, bec- and and due to you know obviously the the Luton Council of Faith organizing it there'll be people of uh, different faiths there mm-hmm. people of different backgrounds people of no faith yeah. will be coming together showing the support saying that obviously I mean, this and is solidarity exactly. solidarity is key we have seen an outpouring of love understanding um, and coming to get an empathy. Of course. And empathy is very key. Um, and, you know, the wonderful town of Luton, mashallah, it's a beautiful place when we are, when there are unfortunate circumstances or incidents that occur um, across the world internationally. Our, our community does come together. So the Luton Council of Faith are doing this peace vigil and it's an opportunity for people to kind of express how they're Definitely. feeling as well and to know that there are people that care, that yep. understand and want to reach out to. And it has been very beautiful to see the, the number of wonderful stories that we've um, seen where, you know, the Sikh community in New Zealand um, doing seva, uh, looking after the the families that have been affected. We've seen um, the Jewish community who, um, the Muslim community raised money for the Pittsburgh um, victims and the Jewish community are now returning that support and care. We're seeing people across um, the country who are not Muslim, who are standing outside masjids and protecting, um, you know, guarding the doors and putting signs up, um, flowers, messages, so many, so many beautiful, beautiful ways of connecting and showing 
sharing love and harmony. And may this continue. Um, we do need to work together as communities. We shouldn't cut ourselves off. It, it, but it, I mean, some people would say, you know what, Shamaisa, that's a lot easier said than done because there are people who are frightened. They're naturally, yeah, naturally. And also children are going to, are impacted by this. And we were discussing as parents, like, you know, we were talking about awkward moments yep. with children. And then we came to that um we were also discussing, well, you know, trying to keep this information away from our children. How do you protect mm. your children from news like this? And Brother Tarek, you, you you had a story that you were sharing with me um, about your little boy. You were quite surprised. Like, how did he find out? Yeah, definitely. It was, uh, to be honest, uh, uh, on fr- Friday evening, uh, I was having a conversation with him and he, and he mentioned to me that obviously this has taken place. And uh, it was actually on, on the way to the masjid. We were going to the masjid and, and he was saying this is obviously taking place in New Zealand. And it's, it's one of those things where... Uh, uh, to be honest, in this day and age, again, you mean children have their own tablets and they have all sorts of you mean various different uh, uh, different uh, technology which connects them to the internet, and, and no doubt, uh, majority of the stuff that's out there they will get to find out. But I think from from a children's perspective, my own again personal example, again everybody probably has their own approach, is to is to sit down with your children and tell them about it. And again, I think the other side, which is also so important, uh, to again to get rid of that fear and that kind of anxiety that a lot of people are probably have is to tell them the positive stories uh, and, and of course uh, reminding them of course uh, and showing them pictures and I, I I showed my son the picture of the 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 the, the guy that was standing outside the masjid in, in Manchester yeah. saying I'm your friend yeah. and, and I will stand outside and guard you whilst you pray and you look at that and you think you know what Swana, that is so beautiful and to be honest images like those and and things around the world where you see this kind of thing and things to yourself you know what there are so many there, there are people out there who who will generally have hate and they will have a lot of uh, animosity and they will have all sorts of these uh, you mean absolutely uh, horrible thoughts in their mind of doing all sorts of uh, evil in the world but there are also people out there who are peace and loving and who are there for each other and to be honest that really brings the peace and comfort to your heart and I think there are more people that care Definitely. There are more people that care than hate. Definitely. And we need to build on that care. We need to build on that love. Um, and we build, need to build on that solidarity. And I think that's a wonderful example, Brother Tarot, that you've just given about you showing him a positive image of the gentleman yep. in Manchester. That's a wonderful way of kind of enlightening yeah. the child that, look, there are people that care. You know, this is a white man an older gentleman outside a masjid with a sign. And and you know what? And that's showing an image. It's showing um, some words as well. Um, and it's showing somebody in action. And I think that's the way forward. If we, And I think that's a great example. And I'm going to do that as well. For my own daughter, I wasn't aware that um, because I don't have phones um, they do have a tablet and um, so I, she mentioned something about um, New Zealand. Like how... Sorry, what did you say? She goes, there was a massacre in New Zealand, wasn't there, mummy? And I'm like, how do you know? Oh, I've signed up to to a particular news stream on my tablet, so I know what the headlines are. 11 years old. Ah, and I was like, okay. So then obviously I'm having to explain it on the level of an 11-year-old, but then I mm. got a six-year-old and an eight-year-old and a nine-year-old also in that same space and having mm. to kind of address it in language of course. That's, that's to their age too. And then I just give up because I'm just thinking, gosh, how do you turn this, how do you word this so that it's it in simple child-friendly language? And if I'd known what you'd done, I'd do that. Mm. I think that's, that is a wonderful way of saying, look, there's hatred, but also there is people that care. 
And we have to move forward. And as a community, we do need to move forward. And the peace vigil is one way of moving forward. Mashallah. Um, Luton Council of Faith, peace vigil happening. Where is it again, Brother It's happening uh, outside the town hall today at 2 p.m. I'd really encourage anybody Mm -hmm. out there who's currently listening, Mm -hmm. uh, who uh, is available uh, to come down and show that support. Because, of course, uh, there'll possibly be a lot of, and and to be honest, a lot of the peace vigils I've been to previously, there's a lot of uh, non-Muslims and people of uh, of other faiths uh, and no faiths, but not many Muslims that actually kind of attend these things. And I think we should uh, do our bit as well. And again, this is, is that because it's not a something that our communities are, you know, po- are aware of or you know accustomed to. Yeah, I think yeah, accustomed to is probably more likely. Awareness-wise, I think majority majority of people do tend to find out. It gets across social media, and again, we've mm. been we mentioned on the radio and stuff. But I think it's just it's maybe something uh, something strange in the sense is that it's not something that they're used to, yeah. uh, and it's I mean the whole concept of peace vigil uh, it seems a bit strange to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But you I mean the the, the the concept itself is literally to come together yeah. and and share share the pain of whatever somebody's going through but just to mention one other thing i think uh, is quite important before we, we come to the, the the end of the break uh i think as muslims one of the key responsibilities that we have in this community and this society that we live in is to make sure that we build those relationships with people uh, of, of other faiths and, and no faith and again and making sure that we know our neighbors uh, and, mm-hmm. and, and 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 concepts such as the the mosque open day that tends to happen mm-hmm. every year a lot of the masters are getting on board with that i mm-hmm. think are absolutely amazing and and as well as open Opening our doors to our mosque, we should open the doors to our houses, to our neighbours, and make sure we have those communications. The only reason that gentleman in, in Manchester or anywhere else will stand outside the masjid and protect that masjid or uh, or any other uh, place of worship is if they, if they know you and they understand you and they yeah. realise that this person is not what the media is making out to be or what this gentleman mm-hmm. uh, assumed in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. And I think it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very important responsibility on our shoulders to make sure that we do, uh, to make sure that we do, of course, uh, let people know about uh, Islam and give them the true picture of what it is and show them that love, show them that openness and then when they see that warmth inshallah ta'ala, they'll give that warmth back as well inshallah, inshallah it is about make, building those bridges and walking on that bridge as well right to the end of it Definitely yeah and we're heading to a break did you like the way i linked that in okay nice. like, thank you so very much brother Tarek, for joining me this morning um and the rise and shine show folks you know where it's at it's all it's every morning what time seven to nine seven to nine and you'll be back on um the rise and shine show tomorrow um as well. So we're heading off to a break. It is the Urban Cube. The time is 10.25. I'll be joined by Hanan Abdul Khalik, who is going to be talking to me about her being part of the Muslim Women in Media at the University of California. So do join me straight after the break and we'll be having more great creative conversations with awesome guests. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum and welcome to continue listening to Inspire FM 105.1 FM. Catch a creative vibe on the Urban Cube with Sister Shamiza. Good morning and assalamu alaikum. It is 10.30, Monday 18th of March and you are listening to the Urban Cube with me, Shamiza, taking all the way up to 12 o'clock this morning. It is uh, a, it's been a very testing weekend um, and I'm going to be quite honest with you. I was struggling to find the words um, to reflect what had happened 
on um, Friday in New Zealand where our beautiful brothers and sisters um, lost their lives to a terrorist attack. Um, and it really, really kind of made me really question humanity. And I can really... Um, say that I'm really glad I've come into work this morning and I've had the pleasure of kind of, you know, being around people and, and, and just continuing with my day-to-day -day routine. And, and it's always a pleasure being on the Urban Cube where I'm connecting with wonderful listeners like yourselves and also my wonderful, wonderful guests as well. So um, today's show is obviously in memory of those um, dear brothers and sisters that have have, have been shaheed in um, this terrorist attack. And we're using today's show as also to kind of reflect and also think of ways where we, where we can engage furthermore with our communities as well. On the show this morning, um, I had the pleasure of speaking to Brother Tarek. Brother Tarek talked to us about a peace vigil that's happening at two o'clock at the town hall in Luton. The town hall um, is a, a spot where many people across Luton are very familiar with, inshallah. And um, this peace vigil has been organised by the Luton Council of Faith with the purpose of um, just connecting with uh, the Muslim community, but the wider community as well. Now, if you're somebody who's feeling slightly isolated, who wants to talk to somebody and wants to reach out, maybe go down to the peace vigil. But if you don't want to go there, please do connect with us here in the studio. We're all ears. We're here to support you um, and uh, as family, inshallah. Now, on today's show, as always, I'm joined by a wonderful selection of guests. And the one of the guests I'm joined with today is joining me all the way from London. She is a journalist, um, writer and filmmaker, and she's graduated from the Muslim Women Media cohort from the University of California and she's currently writing a utopian novel. She'll be joining us to talk about her passion for writing, um, her views on the trending stories and we'll also be finding out about a documentary that she's been doing on um, ethical fashion as well. Um, but apart from that we're also going to be joined by another fantastic, fantastic guest. Who, who is actually driving her children to Olympic success. Now, I'm going to be talking to no other than Samira Asger, and she is part of Emanza Art. She's, she's a contemporary abstract artist whose work I'd actually stumbled across in the heart of Luton at the Butte Street Film Festival. Now, I'm going to be talking to her about all things motherhood, art and getting your children to Olympic standards. My goodness. And also talking to us, her, about a article, which basically a study that claimed that working mums are more likely to have obese children. What? My goodness. Um, so she'll be talking to me about that. On today's show, we're talking national days as well. Companies that care and awkward moments. They are two national days. So if you have had an awkward moment that you want to share with us, awkward moment in whatever capacity, that could be in the public, at work, 
amongst family or your children. Um, the Mother's Planet, the show, was such a funny, funny, rib-tickling show. Sister Neelam's show. And she was talking about all the silly, crazy things our children say. So maybe that might inspire you, if you listen to that show, to share with me your thoughts on that. And companies that care. Companies that care. Are you part of a company that cares? Or are you somebody that runs a company that's doing something a little bit beyond, you know, above and beyond for your employees? And um, the reason why I'm mentioning this uh, National Day is because there seems to be more and more firms switching over to a four-day working week. That sounds great, doesn't it? My goodness. I, You know what? I'd be loving that. But I've got no reason to complain because I work part time anyway. So but if you're working in a, say, five day week, could you do you think it's a good idea switching over to a four day week? Um, so th- these are some of the things that we're talking about on today's show as well. So do get in contact with us on 07779481. 822. Now, I wonder whether these are some of the things that my wonderful next guest over the phone this morning is able to answer. I'm talking about no other than Hanan Abdul Halik. She is a freelance multimedia journalist, writer, and podcaster as well as filmmaker. She graduated from the Muslim Women in Media cohort from the University of California. She's currently also writing a utopian novel. Um, Thank you so very much, Hanan, for joining us this morning. No problem. Salam. Thank you for that nice introduction. Bless you. Now, you're a guest of the show, Marshala, just because just before you went to California, you actually joined us on the show and you were talking about this trip. So, Marshala, you've yes. made the trip and you're back safe and sound. <laughs> I am back. Yes, it has been like a long journey and a lot of intense moments, but uh, I'm really grateful that, you know, I got through it. And uh, yeah, hopefully, you know, this documentary will take off and, and, you know, good things will come from it. Inshallah, inshallah. Inshallah. Now, now Hanan, tell us, um, why did you feel it necessary to go all the way to California for a Muslim (laughs) women in media collective? I mean, could you not find anything down the road in London? (laughs) I mean, there are so many amazing opportunities in London, but for this one, it was actually by accident. A friend of mine uh, messaged me and said, look, you should apply for this. And um, I applied and, and I was the only one from the UK actually to be involved because all the, the women involved, or and some men actually, um, they were all America-based. So mm-hmm. I was the only one that was kind of going internationally. But I think it was a really important step because mm-hmm. there are many different conversations to be had surrounding Muslims in the media of course. in London, for example, in mm-hmm. the UK, mm-hmm. as opposed to America. It's a completely different climate. Wow. So I think I, I provided like a very different perspective, which was really needed in those conversations. Um, so I was glad I was there. Um, and I learned so much about their, you know, their narrative, their mm. climate and, and how it's different. So I think it was a good collaboration. And what is the differences that they are being projected with in comparison to the the narrative here in the UK? I think everything in America in general is Mm. so much more overt and over the top. Um, I think like institutionalized racism and Islamophobia is like a global problem right now. But Mm. I think everything is sensationalized times a million in America. So I think Mm -hmm. everything obviously will be more intense naturally as well. So Mm. that you hear about a lot more 
um, sort of overt attacks and um, really explicit things like the shootings, you know, which mm-hmm. is such a horrific reality that keeps happening um, across the board. Um, so, yeah, I, I've noticed that a lot of the conversations that they kind of had, there was quite similar conversations in terms of mm-hmm. that institutionalized aspect. But generally speaking, um, I, I feel like problems that we have in the UK, it's it's slightly more subtle, if you like. Right, um, okay. And, and that could be a problem, though, because right. of the, that there's like an element of, it's almost like you can't overtly pinpoint that something can be Islamophobic or racist mm-hmm. because it's so subtle. Um, and so, why, yeah. why do we think it's so subtle, though? Um, what is it that is... In- My theory is that, I could be completely wrong, but I feel like in the UK, we still have an element, and, and this is not... Uh, I can't say all of the UK. I'm going to talk about London because I mm-hmm. know London and mm-hmm. I live in London. I can't talk about London. She's a Londoner. But, yes, <laughs> through and through. Um, I do think that it's almost like you can feel Islamophobia subtly bubbling up from people. But I think it's that thing of like people are, it's it's embarrassing to be seen as a racist. It's embarrassing to be Islamophobic. It's embarrassing. So I think people are almost afraid to show their prejudices, which is, I don't know, like obviously it's a bad thing in general. Like there mm. should be no prejudice. Of course. Uh, point blank. But I think... It's, I think people are more emboldened in America because of their, you know, their leadership and... And their history. Know, their structures and their history and everything. Yeah. <laughs> so um, I think it's, uh, it's, it's, uh, it's more difficult to be as overt here, if that makes sense. Right. And um, may it not bubble over um, to the yes, extremity, right. uh, extreme, mm-hmm. as we see in America. Right. As a journalist, um, mashallah, you, her, you, you're, you work as a multimedia journalist. And what's yeah. the difference as, as say, a, just an ordinary journalist? <laughs> I don't know, you know. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Um, but I, do you know what? I is think, it just a fancy uh, title you've given yourself, darling? Is that what it is? Be, yeah, <laughs> it might be that. Um, no, no. I feel like nowadays, I think... Everyone, to, to some extent, is a multimedia journalist just because there are so many different avenues and tunnels to tell stories and, and you know, to tell a narrative. You've got podcasts now. You have mm. YouTube. You've got, you know, SoundCloud. You've got Facebook. You've got Instagram stories. You've got all these different uh, avenues and ways that you can kind of access people and, and talk and, and have these amazing conversations and, and tell the narrative. So I guess that's what it really means. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just multiple avenues. Is that a tool that you're you've embraced more so since coming back from the Muslim women in media um, cohort at the University of California? Definitely. I feel like um, before there was such a kind of, um, I don't know, like a very static view of of what journalism is. And I Mm -hmm. think, you know, the world is becoming so dynamic when it comes to social media and, Mm -hmm. and how people are using it and how people are accessing each other and how stories are spread. Um, that everything is through social media. Essentially, it's become such a fundamental part of journalism. And I think, you know, to access that and to use that, and you see so many different people across the board, not just journalists, Mm -hmm. using social media to get their message across, using their platform to get their message across. And I think it's become one of the most effective tools. It clearly has. It's um, a really, really, I mean, amazing platform. It has its good, it has its bad, and it has its ugly. And we know the control (laughs) some people have um, using 
Twitter, uh, mm. effectively or ineffectively. Now, um, I actually deleted my Twitter, but I've just made a new one. I know. I just noticed <laughs> you're following me, and I've got yeah. to kind of like put <laughs> the post up today. for the show, um, <laughs> guy. On that note, do you want people to follow you back? What is your yeah, Twitter handle? Fantastic. So at the moment, I'm Hanan. I think across all social media platforms, which is great. I like the way that you say that, Hanan. I think. So what is Hanan? Yeah, there's a, there could I, be a comma there, or it could be just like nonstop. You know. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Are you <laughs> sort of like very pedantic about grammar? Oh no, 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 no! <laughs> it's just more about the joke of like. Hanan, I think. Like, is there a question mark there? Right, you know, do I know? Am I really Hanan? Who knows? That's clever. Is that what you learned in America? <laughs> I did, yes. Just that. <laughs> um, so what is it that you've brought back from this collective? I'd really like to know because... Are you able to filter through media more effectively? Are you very more succinct in how you project yourself verbally? Um, I think definitely what I think it gave me confidence just in the sense that, you know, you forget when you're in a sea of voices, you can, especially like on Twitter and, mm-hmm. and so many other places, you forget how valid and how important an opinion can be and mm. how your world perspective your world view is necessary and needed and you know to kind of exchange that that exchange between people um that really was what i found was important it, it, it's not a vanity thing in mm-hmm. this field it's really about learning and and kind of telling stories and, and understanding and, and just making the world a better place so i think that's what i i came away with more confidence in our ability individually mm. as humans and mm. what we can each bring to the table. Inshallah. And more Inshallah. of it and more of it now more so than any other time. Mm. Friday um, really changed um, history. It was a very, very dark day for the Ummah and mm. the world, I believe. But also it really, really created different types of dialogue and we're seeing different types of language in the media more so than ever. For the first Mm. time, I believe, we get to see the term terrorist Mm. connected with the the man that did this atrocity, the murder Mm. of 51 people. And that word was used by the political leader, um, Mm. Jacinta Ardern, the Prime Minister of New Zealand, and it was yeah baby (laughs) i've got to say that (laughs) oh gosh a woman in politics Mm -hmm. totally totally changing the dynamics Mm. of the way we perceive politics with more empathy with more compassion with more understanding and with a bit of a a real true face um inshallah inshallah we're going to be talking a little bit more about jacinda arden um and basically what she has been able to do she is the youngest ever elected prime minister um of new zealand and it's um it's been very very enlightening to see the way she took this responsibility as a leader, but not any type of leader, a great leader with heart and embraced the Muslim community as us. She referred to them as us. They are one of us. The language that she used was so, was was just 
very heartfelt and very compassionate. Very compassionate yeah, mm. absolutely. I think that's very, um, uh, it's, it's, she's like an anomaly at the moment in politics. You don't associate politicians with compassion. No, or empathy. And, and, or empathy or anything mm. related to being human. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. um, politics, politics is quite robotic, isn't it? It's quite, yeah, it's, you have a job, uh, get on with it. Absolutely. And uh, I think people, like people are forgotten in that process mm. um, and humanity is forgotten in that process. And that that's completely contradictory to the whole cause because it's about the management of people. Mm. Like this is how, you know, that's initially, if you look at the root of what we're supposed to be doing, we're just supposed to be managing people well and managing our lives well. Um, so I think what she's done is, is quite transformative. But I think also seeing a lot, uh, many more female leadership, women in leadership um, has been transformative. Even, you know, like the way, sorry to say this, but like the way Michelle Obama has really kind of um, superseded her husband in a lot of, the, mm. of, 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 you know, the work that she's done. Of course. Um, and I think, you know, yeah, time and time again, women are proving that that you can be a female and you can have compassion and you can also be a really great leader. An influencer yeah. in politics Absolutely. and make a difference yeah. and take charge and, and empower others in doing so, empower women and men equally. Um, yeah. Jacinda Ardern, um, the Prime Minister of New Zealand, she's promised to cover the funeral costs of the 51 Christchurch terror victims, Mm. which was a very, very um, giving gesture. Mm -hmm. When you heard that, um, Hanan, what were your Mm -hmm. thoughts? I mean, it's a beautiful gesture, but also I kind of felt like... It's so sad that we are we find that amazing, mm-hmm. you know. Like mm-hmm. it's it's actually devastating that you know this should be like the the basic, like this should be mm-hmm. this should happen with our leaders. And so the first thing was like, wow, that's lovely, that's amazing, that's transformative. But at the same time, it's almost like no, we sh- that we should be better than this, you know. Mm-hmm. This should be, this should happen naturally, you know, mm. as a natural reaction. Um, but that's what, you know, leadership is all about. It's about looking after the people that um, are in your your responsibility. Of course. Um, so, yeah, I guess that's kind of the thoughts that kind of came across my mind. Now, um, she also, amongst many others, have, have kind of t- changed the way things are worded when it comes to the Muslim community. Mm-hmm. When incidents of like this have occurred across the world, um, they've never really been called a terror attack um, yeah. if it's a white assailant. Um, so how did it make you feel when you actually heard this as a terror attack? Um, it's just, it, you kind of get a sigh of relief because it's almost like, I think people are tired of having to scream and, sh- and shout about like how there's such a disproportionate use of language in mm-hmm. the media in association with like let's say white supremacy and mm-hmm. in association with uh muslims in the media who have been reported to have done a crime mm-hmm. um so i think having somebody in such a powerful position to make that clear distinction statement distinction um that's a great sign and it's it's transformative and and hopefully things are starting to change. But at the same time, you still have like so many problematic articles coming out. Mm, of Daily course. Mail and, and all sorts that are Because papers need to sell, right? Papers have to Absolutely, sell. Absolutely, yeah. And it's terrifying that people are buying this mm-hmm. crap. 
to be honest. Was there a headline in particular that kind of shocked you by one of these newspapers, the language in particular? Oh, I think one of them said something like um, the angel boy who went towards, who became a killer, something like that. Something. The way it was framed was just almost like, you know, this is unbelievable. We We can't possibly fathom that this wonderful blonde little person became this cruel monster you know mm-hmm. um it's just very and it's also it's very much like a um it feels a bit villainy and okay. uh, the way that language is being utilized and weaponized um mm-hmm. it's just creating uh, a, a comic book effect really uh, yeah that's quite uh, filmic yeah that's not real yeah. it's not real life you know mm. and I'll, I'll i'll be really honest I don't engage with these uh, articles too mm-hmm. much anymore. Mm-hmm. I mean, I only just got Twitter again. Uh, I had to take a break from it all because I think it can really desensitize you. Of and course. You just, you know, bombarded with words. And I don't think it's good for us, our, our self-esteem either. You know, somebody made a really amazing point that, like, we essentially as Muslims, we can it can feel like we are being emotionally abused by the state and the the language that is used mm. about us and the, the the language we are reading about ourselves, yeah. of course it's gonna impact us. So I personally don't I, I choose to not subscribe to that much and, and I don't really read into it. So mm. I, I like to know what's going on but, but I But then really where do you far. get your opinions from then? How do you then um, <laughs> get your knowledge of news? I mean where should True. where should it come from? I mean, I, uh, that's uh, that's the big question, isn't it? Mm. <laughs> I'm still kind of battling with that myself, but I think... Should uh, you be the one creating the news then? Absolutely. I think everyone should put me in their newsroom. <laughs> <laughs> You've definitely got the face for I it. <laughs> <laughs> I do think that one of the most important things, though, and I think a lot of Muslim journalists are saying this, is that we need more Muslim journalists mm. in the newsrooms because right. there there is someone setting the narrative. There is someone mm. telling the story. And to them, because it might not impact their life, it might not impact them as a group of people, it doesn't mean much. But when there's someone who it actually means everything to them, the language that's used about mm, them, they're mm. going to be more careful and mindful of it. Um, so in ter- to answer the question of like, where do we draw the line? I think I think it's just a mental health thing. It's really like, you know what, taking the news, we need to know what's mm, going on mm. and we should be knowledgeable, but not not at the detriment of our health and self-esteem and well-being. You and, know? you know, Instagram, social media was down last week. Did you cope? Were you able to deal with it, Hanan? I, I didn't even notice. It's terrible. But, okay, so I work full time, right? And I was fast asleep when that was happening so, I, <laughs> so was I darling I kind of, so was I I kind, of, I kind of feel sad that I missed out on this like global thing you know I was like oh man you know <laughs> I've been left out but yeah oh so you didn't so you didn't feel it. that pang not of at um... all, not at all oh. also my I literally have technology problems all the time so that's kind of my life anyway so I'm just used to it now. Why did they send you to California? I just do not know. <laughs> You've got technology <laughs> Nobody issues. Knows. Nobody knows. But it worked out for the best. So oh, dear me. Now we're going to be talking about awkward moments. It's National Awkward Moment Day, um, Hanan. And we're going to be catching up with you. Have you had any awkward moments? Um, My whole life. Everything is awkward. <laughs> so we're going to talk to you about that after the break because you will be still staying with us, inshallah. We're also going to be talking inshallah. about companies that care day. Now, this is something that you're really uh, quite familiar with, uh, Hanan, because um, you're doing a documentary, inshallah, on ethical 
fashion. So this is an yeah. area that um, you're very passionate about. So we're going to be finding out about getting some fashion tips from you as well, but not fast fashion ones, hopefully. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're going to be really getting uh, the know-how from Hanan. And we're also going to be talking to you about British firms switching over to a four-day working week. Is that the way forward? Is that what we should be doing more of? Um, if, you'd, <laughs> if you'd like to join in with any of the conversation, join us on 07779481822. We're all we're talking to Hanan, who is my guest this morning. She's going to be staying with me after the break as well, inshallah. She's a filmmaker, she's a writer, she's a freelance multimedia journalist, and she's graduated from the Muslim Women in Media cohort from the University of California. She's been talking to me about language in the media. In particular, we've been reflecting on the language used in response by the media, the mainstream media, in light of the terrorist attack that happened in the Christchurch Masjid um, in New Zealand. Now, Hanan will stay with me and we'll be having further conversations with her, but please feel free to join me on 07779481822 if you'd like to join in with any of those conversations this morning. We're talking... National Awkward Day. We are talking companies that care day. And we're also talking about language used in the media. Now, uh, folks, there is also a peace vigil happening today at uh, 2 p.m. at Luton Town Hall, organised by the Luton Council of Faiths in light to the incident, the massacre or the terrorist attack that happened on Friday. I'm also going to be talking to um, Hanan about Jacinda Arden banning automatic rifles as well. Is that the way forward? Inshallah, join in with all the conversations with me and Hanan on the Urban Cube, inshallah, straight after this break. So, assalamu alaikum. Join Assalamu alaikum, this is Atif Nawaz and you're listening to an Inspire FM podcast. Catch a creative vibe on the Urban Cube with Sister Shamiza. Good morning and assalamu alaikum. It's 11 o'clock Monday, 18th of March, and you're listening to me, Shamiza, taking you all the way up to 12 o'clock on Inspire FM, the Urban Cube show. Today's show is in memory of um, the lives lost uh, in the terrible terror attack that uh, happened in New Zealand on Friday at the Christchurch Masjid Mosque. Um, today's show, we're kind of reflecting on um, language used in the media. Um, language used in the media with um, journalist, writer, filmmaker Hanan um, Abdul Halik. Uh, she'll be talk- she has been with us on the first half of the show discussing with us the changing narrative and her experience working, well, graduating from the Muslim Women in Media cohort at the University of California. She's joining me this morning all the way from London, mashallah. Not from California, folks, but from London this morning. It's been an absolute pleasure having her, um, sharing with with me her expertise. Now, apart from... Hanan, I'm also going to be joined all the way from Manchester after 11.30. A mother who's driving her children's Olympic success. Yes, you heard it. I'm going to be joined by no other than Samira Asger, who is an artist, a very well-established artist um, under the name of Emanza Art. Uh, she's a contemporary abstract artist. 
and she has two fantastically talented children who are national champions and ready in preparation for Olympic gold medals as well, inshallah. Um, on today's show, we're talking national days. We are talking uh, a, about awkward moments, guys. Has there been an awkward moment in your life that you'd like to share with me this morning? Plus companies that care day. Now, we are a charity community radio station and we care. We totally care. We care about your views, your thoughts and the way you see the world. Share with us your thoughts this morning. We'd love to hear from you. I want to care about what you have to say on 07779481822. We're going live and direct across Luton surrounding areas, Peterborough, Sheffield and Nottingham with a repeat at 8 p.m. We're Facebook Live, but just the banner of the show because I have no guests in the studio this morning, just over the phone. Um, and over the phone we have this morning is no other than the very, very awesome Hanan Abdul Khalik. Assalamu alaikum, Hanan. Alaikum salam. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for having me. You're very, very welcome. Thank you for staying on the line and continuing the conversation this morning with me, which has been quite an eclectic journey. We've had some highs and we've had some lows, obviously, in response to Friday's terror attack, um, which has really had a massive big impact on not just the Muslim community, but globally as well. And you're a journalist who who's also very, very aware of the way media projects its, sto its stories, its narratives, and just having a quick overview of the conversation that we had earlier on. Um, your thoughts on the way the media has kind of taken on board the, the uh, terror attack that's happened in New Zealand and its response to Islamophobia? I think it's been... Um so I think in terms of social media, there's been a very kind of mixed response. Mm -hmm. I think it's really saddening to see how, you know, when anything is in response to a group of Muslims being affected by something, it seems less important as opposed to when it's uh, a group of or any other group, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. um, I don't, obviously this has been set by the media, this kind of precedent has been mm -hmm. set and that's what the institutionalized part of it is. Um, and I think people don't even realize there's that kind of subtle prejudice towards Muslims and, and non-Muslims when, you know, anyone's a victim. It should be that it's the same thing, you know, yeah. we're all human beings in the end of the day. Um, so I think there has been a, a kind of split in how people have responded. It's almost like people are, like, really upset and, and saddened by what's happened. But at the same time, there's been a lot of silence where there normally isn't silence. So um, I think that's quite confusing and conflicting for people because it's it's just like, you know, it's a human life at the end of the day, innocent lives, um, and it's, it's horrific. You know? Now, um, social media has been quite interesting to observe because that's where a lot of us get our news feeds from. Um, so it plays a predominant role in um, news narrative. And one thing I kept seeing was something, uh, the fact that people are mentioning selected outrage, um, yeah. that there has been no profile images by Facebook to put up regarding what happened in New Zealand in comparison to the attack that had happened in Paris. Did you mm. see the same? Did you feel the same? 
Um, okay, again, I'm really, I, I, I'm probably the worst person to ask right now, just purely because I've been <laughs> she working. She switched to social media around, off. Honestly. Where do I, I get these really... guests from next? <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry, but from what I've gathered, and, and obviously uh. I, I still do follow a lot of it, um, and, you know, a lot of my friends have been commenting, and just mm. many people in general, um, you do see that, that, that there is a selective outrage, and um, it's... For, I think one of the worst parts of it is how quickly the actual video spread as opposed to just Gosh. having respect, respectful yeah. kind of, you know, messages. It yeah. was just more, you know, the, the really horrific kind of reality of, of mm. people almost becoming emboldened and, you know, what was spreading something that's so vile and horrific. So I think that's what really, you know, there was much more respect for the victims with mm. the Paris attack, for example, mm. and not wanting to share just some of the horrific images from what happened. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I would say, yes, there is definitely selective outreach. But then social media, Facebook should have had a responsibility in not allowing this content to be shared. Now, normally images like Absolutely. that or anything in particular of anything so gruesome are instantly removed. But for some reason, mm. this was allowed to continue. Um, yeah. May, are you, may... Uh, our thoughts, um, our prayers are with the lives that are lost and also the families um, that are, are grieving. And uh, may Allah give them sabr and may Allah grant um, the shaheed, the martyrs. That's how they've been described. They've been described as martyrs in the house of worship um, um, uh, straight to heaven, inshallah, Jannat Firdos. Um there is a peace vigil, folks, happening today in Luton in solidarity um, uh, with the community of Luton, the Muslim community, community and the wider community. And also um, just thinking uh, f about the those members of the New Zealand community who've been impacted by this. It's, uh, it's an opportunity to kind of stand in solidarity. It's happening at 2 p.m. outside Luton Town Hall. If you're able to make it, please do so, inshallah. Um, it is about kind of reaching out and connecting with people. And we do need to continue as Muslims, ca carrying on with our lives as best and as normal as we possibly can. Um, the question I wanted to ask you, Hanan, um, mm. There is normality after this, right? Uh, globally or just in... Globally, uh, generally? I mean, the sad part is that, yes, people people forget very quickly. You know, they they always say in social media, well, it's been, what, a couple of days, but it's, it's, it seems like a couple of months, you know? Mm -hmm. um, I think people, that's the whole part of being desensitised to these things i think it's a double-edged sword to be on social media i don't think we should ever ever have to normalize these really gruesome and horrific mm, realities mm. that we're dealing with um these are like unnecessary things that, that we've created in this world as man you know like we have problems we have earthquakes we have global warming we have like these horrific natural disasters mm. that are happening that we need to deal with and on top of that we're creating more problems for ourselves um so i guess that the worst part is is that yes things will go back to normal people will forget um until the next attack and then all of this will be brought up again but also i know that like you know globally we need to heal as muslims you know like mm. it's it's these are not normal images these are not normal things no. to have to understand and accept it for ourselves and for our brothers and sisters either 
So I think healing collectively and talking it out and trying to make sense of it and understanding it and feeling your pain. And there's been a lot of people talking about healing lately. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do think that's really important because I, I think when, we, when we're, ex, we're exposed to this kind of uh, trauma, it, it can affect us even on a very minuscule level. It can still affect us. And it us. is trauma. And we yeah. are grieving as an Ummah and, and the, mm-hmm. as humanity. And, and how do you, and, and the Muslim community, it's not something quite familiar, is it, counselling um, yeah. in, in when incidents like this happen? What mm. would you, you know, what would you suggest that people kind of, I think, so for example, I, I know that Amalia, the mm-hmm. online platform um, that amplifies the voices of Muslim women, I know that, that I think they were having a um, like a, a healing day where they just, mm-hmm. a soul session, I think mm-hmm. it's today actually, okay. um, and they just invited Muslims to come together and just to talk and have some tea and just, wow. you know, like talk about it, talk it out. So I think finding those support, support supporting kind of uh, groups and, mm-hmm. and groups of people that you can kind of get together, even if it's just a bunch of your friends, mm-hmm. you know, go come together, have a chat talking out even myself so I was working when it happened and I remember like having to keep wanting to talk it out with someone you know like just talk it talk about it you know um and that's just you trying to make sense of what's happened and and why you're feeling that way and and why you're saddened and I remember later on that day I think I went to um to Juma and it was almost like it it compelled me to want to go to Juma even more yeah, um, a relief so, yeah. to be around because yeah, if you're the absolutely. only Muslim in the office, it's quite exactly. quite testing, yeah. isn't it? And do you think because yeah, they don't understand? And do you think today is National Companies That Care Day? Do you think this is something they need to take into consideration when to enable absolutely. people to have that time to kind of just like take a step back, give them a bit of breathing space, allow them to just mm-hmm. have some time out. Yeah, and I think, like, it depends where you're working. Because mm. I know, like, a lot of the startup culture is really kind of friendly and warm. And, like, mm-hmm. I'm sure, like, if you're in a startup and this happens, it would be almost be like, you know, have a cup of tea, sit around, mm-hmm. you know, like, really talk out. I remember Amalia would do that. You know, there's the, it's really important to talk things out and then mm-hmm. make sure you understand why you're feeling the way you're feeling. But also, I think... In, in non-Muslim companies, I think, you know, the Islamophobia is already, like, subtly bubbling up. You hear the prejudice in some of the jokes that are made. Oh, and I think just being mindful yeah. of yourself, being mm-hmm. self-aware enough to not make insulting jokes mm. that mean nothing to you, but everything to that person will be transformative in that environment. And just, wow. you know, being nice, just, you know, asking the person, how are you dealing with things? Yeah. Um, I had somebody actually from work ask me about, uh, the attacks which was really nice of him like he didn't really have to um but he asked about it and he was just you know he was just you know kind of extending his condolences and it was and a, that's a beautiful a nice thing moment. it just takes that to feel as if you know what you're part of a community you know people um care and care mm. is something we want to kind of really embody you know um ac- across the country you know brother Absolutely. Tarek this morning we were just in the break, we we're talking about integration. How are we really integrated? And I get frustrated when I actually hear that term because I just feel that we are fully integrated. How much more <laughs> integration do you want, people? What, um, what do you need? I know. And I suppose his, his point was just, okay, well, find out who your neighbor is. Just go around, invite them around. Just simple as that. That's all you need to do. And I'm like, you know, because some people just don't even know who their neighbors are. Um, but um, I suppose it's different if you have people moving into a property that's like rented 
doubt. But if it's mm. uh, long-term neighbors, um, then inshallah do so. Now, you've mentioned mindfulness. You've talked about globalization and you've also talked about startup companies. Now, mm-hmm. um, we are looking at um, national working weeks, reducing them to full days, which I'm going to talk to you in a moment about, but I also companies that care. Now, ethical fashion is something that you're quite passionate about. And mashallah, you're actually doing a documentary around it. Why would you feel yes. you need to do one? <laughs> um, I think because it's one of those topics that's a bit like avocados. It's almost I'm actually like... allergic to them. Believe, oh honestly, God, I'm not lying. Avocado. I'm so sorry, but I hate <laughs> avocados. That mushy kind of texture. <gasps> Don't! Don't like it. Don't like it. Anyway, <laughs> I feel like giving avocados as an example, it's almost like um, it's become uh, a fad, you know? Yes. And I feel like it's it's a fad even to be interested in ethical fashion and, and you know, sustainability wow. and that kind of thing, which is fine. Like, mm-hmm. if that's your thing, if you're interested in being fashionable and, and at the time, cool, because it means that you care right now yeah and that's that's better than nothing so i'm trying to kind of drum in these ideas of like how much our hands are impacting someone halfway across the world without us even realizing mm. it or giving mind to it and and i believe that if you keep drumming an idea into somebody's head or, or planting those seeds planting those seeds one day they're gonna like think about it and think you know what i don't need this i don't need to buy this and so I'm I'm really just doing my, the small bit that I can in raising awareness in what we can each do individually to make you know the world a better place so that people are not being are not dying or hurt as a of result course. of having to work crazy hours and also that you know you know global warming isn't uh, occurring as a result of our own actions too mm-hmm. so it's uh, it's just only good can come from being mindful of our consumer decisions basically and mindfulness is the key word. Forget avocados. Let's just hashtag mindfulness because those green things are just like evil. Um, like uh, no avocados were hurt or damaged in the rec- uh, in the live <laughs> airplay of this show. Um, but on a serious note, what is it that we can do, Hanan? Okay, so like a few things. Uh, I think just as a start, stop overspending things mm-hmm. that we don't need. Mm. Um, and, and I think one thing, one trick that really helped me because I, I'm like an ex shopping addict. I fully am. So one thing that helped me is that when I've been online, I have put everything in a basket and then I sleep on it. Okay. And then that takes away that impulse mm-hmm. of wanting to buy it. And then when you come to it the next day or the day after, you're like, you know what? I don't really need that. And so that just, that is helping your general impulse inside to buy, to fill a need. Wow. And then on the other side of things, just pledge to yourself that you're, if you're going to buy, you're going to buy an ethical outfit, let's say. Mm-hmm. That's going to be more expensive because the production to, to make that will, mm-hmm. will have been more. If it's ethical, it's going to be more expensive. So, but this means that you're going to get a product that is going to last for longer. So it's going to be sustainable. And you'll care and for also, it because you've paid a little bit more money for exactly. it. Exactly. There it is. And I think we value the things that we, we've saved up for, like mm. designers. We, mm. we value those. And things like Primark, unfortunately, we don't. We, we wear it a couple of times and we chuck it out and then we get another one. And their stores are getting bigger and bigger. Exactly. So that can only mean more workers. <sighs> and more fast fashion and more filling those exactly. um, landfills with garments that are not biodegradable and the toxins exactly. go into the earth. Exactly. I- Exactly. I kind of know where you're coming from, my dear. And but it's so tough. It's really, really tough. So what sorts of um things? Now you're a ex shopping addict. What yes. more were you able to do? 
With what? As in, like, reduce your um, shopping habits with fast fashion? Oh, right, 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 right. Okay, so it's, it's, okay, it's a a couple of things. You have to really reframe how you see your money because I think, you know, it's a whole backstory. My backstory is that I was born in the 90s. That was a time when when mass production happened and and things got cheaper. So, you know, we could access things like Nike and we could access things like these brands that were imprinted on us that we Mm -hmm. loved, you know. Mm -hmm. So I think it's like, so now that I've grown up and I've got my own money, it's like, oh, I'm going to treat myself to all these brands that I couldn't have when I was younger. And I think what happens is you need to kind of be mindful of, okay, how am I spending this money? How can I invest it in my future? Because I think when you realize when it comes to the end of the month and you're in a bit of a tight spot because of you've, you've overindulged in something you don't need, mm-hmm. it can really impact your life. And so I think one of the, the key things is stop looking at things like Instagram and people online who are selling you things that you don't need because they have the money for it and you might not. That's number one. And <laughs> don't. Wow. Yeah. And it is, it's being consumer conscious. And the thing is, you know, we have a lot of, um, no offense like to hijabi sister bloggers, right? Yeah. You're doing your thing, but you're also, would you agree, they're pushing consumer spending? Mm, Absolutely. I I agree. And this is why I I decided to make this documentary about modest fashion um, mm. because I believe that modest fashion the only thing that makes it modest is the fact that it's on Muslim women but I think generally speaking it's fast fashion that's all it is I don't think there's any difference to modest fashion am I allowed any, to give you a clap thing? for making that conclusion because I've been going on and on and on and on and about it but nobody's <laughs> listening to me <laughs> this is the point I, I don't think anyone I, don't think, I personally don't think anyone's going to listen to me but I think I'm going to I'm going to start planting the seeds anyway and okay. see where they fall you know wow. I think that's where She's Good. I like this journalistic thing. I mean, she's been trading (laughs) California people, so she's going to drop those lyrics. (laughs) So we've got to one. We're moving on to two. What else do we need to be doing? Okay. So we have, yeah. So I think that the major thing is is being mindful of like what you're looking at, what you're um, exposed to, what you want. And it's just reframing how, honestly, like it's very simple. It's reframing how you view money and how it should be spent Mm. but also it's not being in denial because I think I've been in denial for so long about it that it almost became like it's almost like no 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 no, I'm fine I'm on top of it it's it's just because I enjoy shopping but it's not I think you fully are tied into the system and if you think about it why do we shop they are for kind of vanity reasons it's not like oh I'm really cold I need a coat it's Mm -hmm. like oh that coat looks really lovely on that blogger. I want mm. that. I want to. I want to feel what she feels when she wears it. I want to look like that. And so it's very much vanity reasons. So I think it's just kind of taking a step back from that and understanding what you need and what you do not need. That's mm-hmm. really what I would, you know, come down to. So I think that the top tips are put things in the basket. Don't actually pay for it. Uh, uh, finance hygiene. Being smart with your money. Um, stop looking at advertising. It's just, it's shoved in your face all the time. You don't need more of it on Instagram because people are, those people are a lot more wealthy than us. (laughs) I'm just going to put it like that. They can afford to waste money Mm. like that. And and you can't, you know, I I make a point actually where I'm like, we're not, you know, young women, because I think young women especially are probably one of the target demographics mm, for this mm. because, you know, they have a surplus lot of this, cash unless maybe if they're not married and they don't have children and they're just in professional yeah, careers. Or even so forth. like 
the worst part, I, I talk about how like it's almost an exploit. It's it's exploitation in the sense that these YouTubers have very young audiences, and mm-hmm. so they, you know, they sell their merchandise, and the audience they're probably kids or a little bit older. Right. They've got pocket money. They ask their parents for money, so that what's happening here is that the the blogger or whoever that they're, they're a lot more wealthy than than the people that they're asking to give them money does that make sense yes, yes. and then so there's very young people impressionable people buying when they don't need to buy and you know? they're not going to tell the real truth, are they? I mean, they did say Absolutely. on social media, like bloggers have got to say that they've been endorsed by a company to make sure that yeah. that's a little bit more clear. Um, mm. But it's kind of educating young people about how the they're not called bloggers anymore. They're called influencers Ooh. are influencing. Wow. And the irony here is like you are an influencer if you have like, you know, over 10,000 followers. But if you're doing like, you know, community radio, you're not really an influencer. So. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't like avocados. <laughs> I think you're an influencer, honestly. Honestly, no, and it's true because like you, the, what you're doing here is like you're, it's an exchange of ideas and thoughts and, and that's quite transformative, you know, to change someone's mind through conversation. That's important. Um, and I wish that more bloggers did that, to be honest, um, you know, to be mindful of their platform and use it in a really positive way. For um, social action what, and, you know, things yeah. like climate change because there was a national Absolutely. climate change strike. Young people were on the streets. Um, we had Luton Town Hall uh, with a number of children fighting for climate change. And your thoughts on that? Because, Hanan, you are an activist. You've been out there doing your walks um, <laughs> and th- th- now seeing a younger generation, school-age kids, mm. striking for climate action. That's amazing. I mean, look, one thing that I really wanted to just talk about, just on the back end of, of the mm. last, you know, of, of the influencers thing, I think one thing that's so important is that we are all part of the problem. Okay. And I think acknowledging that there's yeah. no blame. Of course. Because we can't help it, in yeah. fact. We were brought up on this culture mm. and, and this system. And I think the only way to kind of move past it is to collectively be better, you know? Cool. To be our best selves, you know? Mashallah. Um So, yeah, I think... It's amazing to see so many young people being more active. Mm. Uh, honestly, I think Generation X are, are doing bits in society. <laughs> They're much better than us millennials. Um, and Or is it Zed? Sorry. I don't know. I can't keep up. Don't even ask me what I am. I'm like prehistoric dinosaur lady. You know, I've just but given yeah, up. I'm a 70s they, baby. So um, don't even know what that era is. <laughs> But they are, honestly, like, uh, you know, my younger sister and, and her friends. And I, I see how different they were to us when we were younger. And I think that is because of exposure to social media and exposure mm. to more knowledge and education and understanding and self-awareness. And it's great to see. It's, it's a positive thing. So I, I'm, I have a bit of hope for the future, the next generation. Inshallah. <laughs> when we've got advocates like yourself who are so quite sensible and lateral with their thinking and actually can see the bigger picture, then inshallah, you know, may you strengthen in your wisdom and your words to inspire this next generation because you're going to be saving them a lot of money. Hopefully. (laughs) And the environment. So when is is this um, documentary going to be finished, completed and ready for us to watch? So I would say in the next year, uh, I want to round it up i'm still in the process of getting different interviews and Mm -hmm. speaking to different people so um it's a process i i kind of finished my uh initial trailer which was about 15 minutes oh cool um 
<laughs> so that's done. But I think I just need to focus more on, on the direction it's moving in because sometimes these documentaries, they kind of formulate themselves. Yes. So I'm allowing it to kind of go in the direction that it, it needs to go. And there's so, yeah, always we'll n- new people that you that you discover and see. Exactly. And um, I might have a to... New int- ideas. Yeah, I have to introduce you to somebody because there is a sister who's doing remarkable things in America. She's actually done some talks in the UK um, about ethical fashion as well. Is so. her name Huda Katavi? Yes, it is. Yes. Oh, she's amazing. I <gasps> I need you on the show. Can you make it happen? I'll try. I'll try. (laughs) Definitely. This is an off-air conversation, people. I do (laughs) apologise. Now, we are heading to the break, and I just want to say thank you so very much, Hanan, uh, for joining me this morning. I've really enjoyed myself. Thank you. Assalamu alaikum, folks. We're heading to a break, and I'll be joined by another absolutely fabulous guest um, talking to us about driving her children to Olympic success and art. We are young, we are powerful, we are female, we, we are, are Muslims. Muslims, we are Sisters Speak, destroying the stereotype of stigmatised Muslim women. Join us live every Tuesday from 6pm where we discuss our opinions on current events and issues we feel are important and relevant. So tune in on 105.1 FM or Facebook Live and catch our podcast on iTunes or Spotify. a creative vibe on the Urban Cube with Sister Shamiza. Good morning and assalamu alaikum. It's 10.30, Monday 18th of March and you're listening to me, Shamiza, on Where Else? The Urban Cube brought to you on Inspire FM. We're going live and direct to the lovely people of Luton surrounding areas, Peterborough, Sheffield and Nottingham this morning. Thank you so very much for joining me on the show and allowing me to keep your company. It's been quite an interesting show so far. We've had quite an emotional roller coaster ride, um, especially in reflection to the, um, the horrendous, horrendous... <sighs> Um, attack, a terror attack that took 51 innocent people's lives on Friday in New Zealand. Um, this has really shaken um, the 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 Ummah um, locally, nationally, and globally. And on today's show, we were reflecting with our brother Tarek who spoke to us about a peace vigil that's been held um, in memory of the lives lost um, via this terror, horrific terror attack, and also in memory, or well, in, in thoughts and prayers for the families as well impacted by this. It's a peace vigil that's happening at uh, Luton Town Hall at 2pm and it is being organised by the Luton Council of Faiths. Please do take the opportunity to go down there if you're feeling that you just want to connect with um, the local community who, inshallah, is a beautiful community of Luton. Uh, It's made up of not just Muslim but the wider community as well that, inshallah, will hopefully be there as well. And there are many people across the country, non-Muslims, who have reached out and shown their compassion, their empathy and their their thoughts and, and words of kindness. We're seeing so many people doing so um, and may that continue. Now, if you feel that you need to speak to us um, or speak to somebody, feel free to please get in touch with us and we will, we're more than happy to kind of uh, speak to you. If you feel that you, you just feel that you need 
need somebody to kind of listen to you about how you're feeling because it is a traumatic, traumatic experience. Um, and we are grieving as as an ummah. There are many people who um, take will take a lot longer to kind of adapt to what has happened. So we had the conversation with Hanan um, Abdul Halik, who talked to us about fast fashion um, because she's doing a, a documentary on consumer consciousness, mashallah. We also talked to her about her role as a multimedia journalist as she had um, graduated from the University of California from the Muslim Women in Media um, cohort and we talked about the language dynamics especially um, across the media at the moment in reference to this horrific attack we also talked about um, the very remarkable Jacinda Ardern the new Z- the uh, female youngest female prime minister and she is um, and and the way she has shown empathy in, in light of this attack and the way she's kind of, you know, t- embodied her role as a great leader, mashallah. Um, but it doesn't stop there, guys. Um, the conversations are still continuing on today's show. We are talking about awkward moments. It's National Awkward Moments Day. Have you experienced an awkward moment as a parent, as a worker, as a, a member of your family, as a friend or, a, a, you know, in your marriage? Would love to hear from you. I will be rolling over some of those conversations that have been sent to me via WhatsApp. Um, it's 07779481822. Plus, we're also talking about companies that care? Are you part of a company that cares? And how do you feel about having the working week reduced to four days? Because lots of British firms are actually switching over to a four-day working week. Now, another article that I've come across that really quite um, surprised me, um, as a working mother, a study claims working mums are more likely to have obese children. Yes, working mums are more likely to have obese children. Now, in 2016, 41 million children were um, known to be obese, which was trip- has been tripled worldwide since 1975. And the, the study is claiming that 29% of children um, don't eat breakfast regularly if they're children of working parents. Hmm. I think I need to speak to a working parent, mashallah, who's really making her mark, not just in the world of art, because she is the founder of Amanza Art that made a mark in at the Butte Street uh, Film Festival event in Luton over the weekend. Her name is Samira Asgab. She's a contemporary abstract artist all the way from Manchester, but she's also an athlete herself who's driving her children to Olympic success. It can't get better than that, can it? Assalamu alaikum, Samira. Waalaikum salam. <laughs> Thank you for that amazing introduction. So have you jogged all the way to the to pick up the phone this morning? Because you know what? I am so taken aback by your talents. Um, mashallah, mashallah. Um, you, you're an abstract... You're a contemporary abstract artist yeah. and your work is phenomenal. And I discovered your artistry just by chance via um, a wonderful lady by the name of Ray Lever who posted it on Instagram. And this was an Islamic art piece, um, yeah. which was just so divine. And the light was really embodied in this, which we're going to find out a little bit more about that because you're going to describe it a little bit better. 
Okay. <laughs> better than me, but you're also um, a mother of uh, talented athletes as well. You're a former, you know, you're a national basketball player formerly and also a kickboxing instructor. I'm, I'm, I'm actually training kickboxing. Ah. I'm, not, uh, I'm, it's, I'm not exactly an instructor. I actually train. Ah. So um, whilst my kids are having their sessions, um, I'm also part, part of the session because they've moved up to adult classes. So I take the adult classes with them. So rather than sit, sitting on the side, watching them train, I'm training with them. I so love I'm that. What, yeah. So I'm part of what they're doing. So it's sort of, um, it gives me a bit of more of an understanding uh-huh. of how they need to train. So if they need tips and um, on how to go forward or how to, you know, uh, uh, work better at a certain strategy, then obviously I'll, I'll know more about it because I'm also training. Wow. Wow. Now, you are a clear example of a mother whose children are definitely not obese. I mean, what's your thoughts on this article, <laughs> Samara? I don't know when you said that. I was a bit like, um, you know, because I'm uh, very much fitness motivated. And yeah. I've got my children into a lot of physical activities and stuff. Um, and I'm also working. Um, I, I don't really relate to that. Uh-huh. But I could understand, like, maybe like you mentioned earlier, that some children are not having their breakfast. Mm-hmm. And maybe because the parents are at work, they're having, like, junk food or eating way too much of the junk food. I'm not sure, but... Um, I don't. I don't really know what my take is on that. To be honest, uh huh. Just get them I fit. Like, go for walks. Fully, yeah, I don't know if I fully agree with that because mm. the parents the parents could be working, but at the same time could have their children in um, extracurricular activities. Ah. So if it's things like if 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 they are not picking the ch- their children up from work, maybe mm. have them in after school clubs. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, football, rugby, hockey, running, anything. You know, it's not um, because these extracurricular clubs, they're not, they're, it's not something that you have to pay for. It's part of the curriculum. So mm. um, they're basically free, aren't they? Of course. The children, uh, if yeah, they're so free, the children, it makes a difference yeah. because... Yeah, it makes a massive difference. Mm. This is what I mean, because sometimes it's like a, a parent, especially single parents as well, um, it's, not, um, it's not easy for them to like afford to do these um, sports activities mm. because no matter what it is whether it's uh, dancing whether it's um, singing whether it's sports related whether uh, football basketball kickboxing anything it costs every small thing costs from the uniforms to the to the like for example with the, the badges everything like from like in, in kickboxing they'll have um, their training sessions which you have to pay for the grading you have to pay for uh, the uniform that they train in, you have to pay for. The kits that they fight in, you have to pay for. So every 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 single step of the way, you're actually investing that money in your child, and it's not it's not easy. And that's a it's commitment. Not, that is a commitment in itself. It's, and you've it's, committed it's definitely, yeah, definitely. Not yeah, to I one. Always, sorry, go ahead. Sorry, I always thought like whatever, whatever I get my children into, um, it will be something that they stick to. It's not going to be a case of, mm-hmm. oh, uh, today they've tried. Um, uh, I'd, I'd let them try it, but like kickboxing for me, when, when the kids, uh, the minute they did it, the first the first lesson is they were taken back by it because it's a very loud sport and right. it's uh, it's a bit it's. I wouldn't say it's it's violent because it's very technical mm-hmm. and it's got a lot to do with discipline. Mm. The first two sessions that I took the children to, they were uh, my son was three, my daughter was four. Um, they were they were a bit like, oh my god, mummy, what what is this? But 
I asked them, did you enjoy it? And they said, we did. We really enjoyed it. So then the second session, and that's it. They loved it. And from then on, I thought, I've got them into this. I'm not, I'm, I've not just got them into it for the fun of it. They're going to stick to it. And I want to see how far they can go. And, and that comes from when I was training basketball. When I, when I started training basketball, started playing it, I really, really enjoyed it. And when you enjoy something and you're that passionate about it, there is no way in hell you're not going to go forward in it, especially with the support. If you've got that support, if you've got your parents' support, mm. there's nothing that's stopping you. And you, there, there is nothing sp- stopping these two children. Mashallah, there's not one, but two very yeah, talented is- athletes, your yeah. daughter and your son. Tell us a little bit more about them um, before, we, uh, um, before we move on to your art, um, artistry, because you've named Amanza Art after yeah. both the children. After both the children, yes. Yeah. Well, I've got four children, actually. Mashallah. These two are the, these two are the athletes, and then the younger two, they're, they're three and two, so they're still at nursery, so they're just, you know, doing their little baby thing. And then these two, I've, I've, I've actually, like, got their own little career going on already so it's like two separate lives but it's, it's said good it's said good balancing it and it's nice to have that um that gap between the children as well but yes my eldest um is iman she's um 12 years old and uh, she's just won the british championships in um kickboxing in her division okay folks did you hear that she's 12 years old she's just won say that again please samara the, the british championships in kickboxing British Championship in kickboxing. Yeah. She's 12 years old. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. That is so yeah. tremendous. Yeah, so she holds the title for 2019. Mashallah. And her name yeah, is? Iman. Iman Asghar. Iman Asghar. She is a name we're going to be really watching and observing. So that was that's just phenomenal. Mashallah. Getting your daughter to go into um, kickboxing. Were there any barriers so, so forth? Right, yeah. Right. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. But yes, there were definitely when I first when I first got her in when she was like four years old. Everyone just thought like, um, you know, um, um, she's she's just doing it for the fun of it. Like it's a, it's a club that they go to and they're just training. Um, and they, nobody ever thought that I was going to be dead serious about it. And and they will go ahead um, with this kickboxing. So I did get a lot of oh, why have you why have you got your um, daughter in kickboxing isn't it a bit violent what she gets kicked in the face what if um what if a nose breaks what if she gets a black eye but then at the same time i was like i've got my son in there as well and what if he gets kicked in the face what yeah. if he gets a black eye you know he's had his nose broken he's had his nose dislocated oh crikey his, his, yeah his nose actually um it was dislocated uh, uh last year it was actually but um it but it's what you have to expect that if this is a sport they're going to go into, um, getting hurt is something that you're, mm-hmm. you're going to expect. So it all comes with it. And the fact that everyone was more concerned about my daughter and uh, her getting hurt and her, her face, um, her nose getting broken or anything, it, was, it just baffled me because I thought they're both children. So just because she's a girl and he's a boy, it's okay for the boy to get hurt because mm. he's a boy, but it's not okay for the girl to get hurt because she's a girl. And girls are always seen as these fragile, de- delicate little things, and boys are the stronger ones. Whereas in the British Championships now, my, my, my daughter's the British champion. She holds the title for 2019, and she's a Mashallah. girl. And she's a Muslim, Pakistani girl. And wow. she's, she's proved it. She's proved that, you know. And she's everything. from up north as well, so... Yeah. 
She's yeah. wow, wow. So that's your daughter, yeah. Iman Esker, twelve years old, a British champion for kickboxing. Yeah. She holds the title for twenty nineteen, but it doesn't stop there because you have another child, Hamza Esker. Tell us a little bit about this talented young boy. <laughs> well, he's um, he's at the moment he's doing boxing, kickboxing, and taekwondo, mm-hmm. um, and um, he also won in the British Championships, but he got bronze. Mm-hmm. So he came home with a bronze medal, and then um, he's also training um, Olympic Taekwondo, which is uh, the under twelve. So um, they, they, he's he's been training and he's also been competing. So he's he's had his first Taekwondo uh, competition, which was last month, and mm-hmm. he came home with a silver. Mashallah. He did brilliant, brilliantly well because he's a black belt in kickboxing mm-hmm. and he's always fought kickboxing. But the two sport, sports are very, very different. Right. For him to just go into... He, because he's a black belt in kickboxing, he's automatically a brown in taekwondo. Right. So ah. So we would be fighting advanced fighters. Uh-huh. And uh, considering it was his first competition, it was um, uh, he did remarkably well. Um, coming back with the silver, and he wore, and he actually fought um, a undefeated um, national champion. He's never he's never been defeated. So to get silver against him for his first competition, he did remarkably well. Can I just ask what you're feeding these children? Because I need some of that stuff <laughs> for mine. They eat, they eat everything. They eat everything. We just we we hold back on things like fizzy drinks and stuff. Not okay. too many sugary sweets. Yeah. Not too many sugars. But uh, as far as their diet is concerned, they eat everything. Everything that a normal child would eat. They're, they're, with the rice, the chickens, chapatis, curries, everything. If you were to look at him, he's, he only weighs 31 kg. Right. And my daughter is around 41 kg, mm-hmm. but they're, they're, tall, they're tall and slim. And but they're athletic. But they're very, yeah, they're very fit. Now, from being a mother of Olympic um, athletes, mashallah, and your house must be full with so many awards and medals. I bet you have a mantelpiece yeah. or a house specifically. Yes, we, this, we, like mashallah, alhamdulillah, we do. We, do have, we have quite a few trophies and uh-huh. countless medals. Like, But those walls are not just filled with trophies. They're also laden with the beautiful artwork that you do. Um, you've named um, your, I understand, your artwork, Imanza, um, after yeah. Iman and Hamza. Uh, yeah. And um, tell us a little bit about your artwork, because I, um, I'm just so privileged, privileged to kind of just discover this and I discovered this via Butte Street Film Festival that was held yeah. in Luton. So from Manchester, you've come to Luton um, to yeah. showcase your artwork. Yeah. And that exhibition was absolutely amazing. It's, it's something that I've, I've, not, I've not experienced before, the um, the Butte Street Festival, mm-hmm. um, because um, it was quite a few different creatives all under one roof, mm-hmm. which I found amazing because you got to see everybody's talent. And it was like from sculptures from, uh, to filmmakers to um, uh, music, uh, the, the music video producers, um, artists, but different sort of artists, but all artists. And mm-hmm. it was all under one roof. And it was absolutely amazing to meet these people. And we've all like exchanged details and we're all keeping in touch. Wonderful. And, um, 
yeah, and there's another one coming up in August, and you know I'm definitely up for that as well. I definitely travelled to Luton for this. It was, it was so good. Was I'm just amazing. so excited to know that you've come all the way from Manchester to come to Luton, and this was not yeah. a Muslim-led festival. This was a no. wider community of creatives, yeah. Butte Street Festival, um, yeah. organised uh, at Luton by creatives from Luton, from many different backgrounds. And you are a abstract, a contemporary abstract artist yeah. with a lot of your work, your genre explores Islamic art. And yeah, one of those pieces that was showcased was a beautiful Islamic inspired art piece showcased. Yeah. Yes, there was there was quite a few. There was one called The Command, and mm-hmm. um, there was another one, The Beginning of Time, and uh, Noor. But I think Noor was the one that you've seen mm. uh, on social media that was uh, that was posted. Um, well, going back to the name Imanza, um, because I'm a contemporary abstract artist, it's um, abstract is a lot to do with this distorting images mm. and. Um, seeing things that you don't see in the in your normal daily life, it's a lot to do with the subconscious, and um, it's a lot to do with well, my work as well is a lot to do with the emotions and the feelings, the inner feelings that mm-hmm. you don't show and express right. in everyday life. But um, it's it's so hard to explain when I'm about to explain it. But um, it was a real melody of light and darkness, a real fusion yeah. of, of of creativity. The way the way you explored that paintwork, the way it blurred, it really manifested yeah. into something quite extraordinary. And it was very illuminated. The nur element, yeah. the fact that um, you know uh, Ray Lever, who isn't Muslim, was so embraced by nur the image yeah. that she show, shared it and so many people responded to it my, me yeah. myself and I've never seen anything so spectacular that didn't include any calligraphy didn't include yeah. any images was just color exactly but this is this is what I'm trying to portray through my work mm. that it doesn't have to specifically have the calligraphy there for you to feel mm. um, a certain way towards the religion um, it doesn't have to like uh, uh, say the actual words um, Allah mm-hmm. on the painting for you to be able to connect to it. Um, uh, my take um, as a as a Muslim since I was a child and all the, all the teachings that I've ever heard about the description of Allah has always been that uh, it is it's a powerful infinite light that mm-hmm. you can't even imagine. It's known. Um, you know, every time there's, there's a description of Allah and there's a story about, um, I think it was the Prophet Musa, mm-hmm. who saw a glimpse of Allah behind the mountain and um, and it was just a, such a bright light. So the way it's always described is always light. And the way I've tried to um, uh, bring that piece forward is to show different elements of light is brighter in certain areas it's a bit darker in certain areas the textures and the brush strokes that i've used in that piece is to in some parts show the mercy of allah um, in some parts show the power of allah and then the beauty of allah um, through the, the the color the light so that piece basically represents light it represents nur in what? different Mashallah. And the way you've described it, and I really clearly saw it because I was just quite overwhelmed by the light. um, And it was so magnificent. And 
it's not the only type. You know, you don't just work with light and, and color. You also do no. calligraphy. So, um, yeah, but- and you have showcased your work um, nationally at many Muslim festivals as well. Yeah. So, yeah, um, where else can folks see your work? How can people get in touch with you? Um, through my social media, really. Um, <laughs> I've got a website as well, but I find that um, I have more of an interaction through my social uh, mm-hmm. social media on Instagram, which is just Amanda underscore art. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, just like, I, I always, I'm just dead responsive, like straight away to my DMs and stuff like that. So if anybody does need to get in touch, it, it would, the most uh, popular space for me to get in touch with anyone would be my social media which is uh, uh, through Instagram yeah and that's where you actually showcase your work as well and it's just so beautiful and you're actually based in Manchester yeah, Greater Manchester, Bolton, actually. It's in Bolton Town Centre. I have right. a studio space in Bolton Town Centre. Uh-huh. And how easy has it been to be like a mother, an artist, an athlete, a coach, <laughs> um, looking after four children, two children under the age of four and two children who are sporting, um, you know, Olympic, inshallah, gold winning or Olympic medal holders? Oh, uh, yeah. Um, well, basically, it's all about balance. I'd say it's all about balancing your home life, your work life, mm-hmm. your children. Um, and once you find that balance, it, it just all flows. Mm-hmm. For me, I find it, um, the, the coaching, the, the basketball, the na- I, when I played National League, wow. it was before it was before I got married. Mm-hmm. So once I got married, it was, I did a bit of um, coaching for under 16 for Manchester teams. Mm-hmm. Um and then I got pregnant, so obviously I, I, I'd, I'd sort of just packed all of that in. It was it was because it was a lot to do with physical. You're just running up and down the court, mm, like mm. constantly running up and down the court. So that was packed in. But then once I had my children, um, um, I didn't really want to go to work. I didn't want to have a nine to five because I thought I'd be exhausted from that. It's not mm. something that's going to be able to let me spend the time I want to spend with the kids at the same time. Um, it it, it It'd just be work, work, work. And I didn't, I didn't really want that because I'm really for the spending time with your children because that time is never, ever going to come back mm-hmm. ever again. Mm. Uh, it's childhood, the childhood memories, you know, everything from when they were growing up from being a baby to an infant, junior to an adult. It, once it's gone, it's gone. So I wanted to do something that would revolve around the children and I'm there with them. I'm constantly with them. So my time to go to the studio is the time that my children are at school. So nine till half three, that's my time at the studio. And I only do it three days a week. Mm -hmm. And my younger two are in nursery. So the three days that I'm at the studio, those three days within those hours, them two are at nursery. They have two days off nursery, which is a Tuesday and Thursday. Right. So, so I'm at home with them. That's my full two days at home with bless them. Bless you. So you have great work um work based balance really. Yeah. Um yeah. which yeah. sounds it's just all about balancing. Bless you. It's all about balancing it. And then in the evenings is their kickboxing which they train mm. five days a week. So uh-huh. I'm with them. I'm constantly with them. And I bet you you'd need a break right now we are ending the end of the show now thank you so much samira for joining us it's been remarkable oh, speaking to you and and you've made me want to go out and play basketball i want to get oh, out there oh, thank you but thank, thank you so very much um that was the wonderful samira and we're now it's the end of the show catch the repeat at 8 p.m from us it's assalamu alaikum and have a wonderful day assalamu alaikum thank you for listening to our podcast 
Why not tune in to our live stream at inspirefm.org and follow and subscribe to our social media platforms at InspireFM Luton.